0: Hello, welcome to the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin's online worship service, where we gather virtually and in spirit each week on Facebook premiere on Sundays at 1045. We do so during this time that we can't yet gather in person again. We are a spiritual community dedicated to the free and responsible search for truth, meaning, and beauty. I'm Chris Jemerson, Minister for Program Development at the Church. If you are new to First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin, I send you warm greetings. If you're in the Austin area, we will hope to have the opportunity to meet you in person in the future. If you're viewing from another area, please feel free to say hello in the Facebook comments and let us know from where you're viewing the service. Unitarian Universalists come from a long tradition of seeing a spark of the divine in every person. Let us connect those divine sparks now, either by posting a greeting to one another on the Facebook comments, or simply by sensing and feeling the heartstring connections that bind us together and exist between us.
1: We like this challenge. So that its flame may signify the spiritual strands of light that bind our hearts and souls with one another even while we must be physically apart we
2: bask in its warmth together
3: good morning today's call to worship comes to us from dr john Shar. dr Shar was a scholar and political theorist and activist A professor emeritus at the University of California in Santa Cruz, and was a recipient of the Guggenheim Fellowship for Social Sciences. He was a significant influence and voice within the free speech movement of the 1960s, which aligned with his personal political values of community, democracy, and political participation. This is from Dr. Schar's, A Place We Are Creating. The future is not the result of choices among alternative paths offered by the present, but a place that is created. Created first in the mind and will, created next in activity. The future is not some place we are going, but one we are creating. The paths are not to be found, but made, and the activity of making them changes both the maker and the destination.
0: One of the things that helps keep us bound together as a religious community even when we can't be together physically is to have a common purpose for first unitarian universalist church of austin that common purpose is our mission we put it on the wall in our sanctuary and we say it together every sunday let's say our mission together now together we nourish souls transform lives, and do justice to build the beloved community. Each week, to help especially those of us who identify as white deepen our understanding of beloved community, we've been taking a moment to consider how people who endure oppression encounter their world very differently and how much more dangerous their world can be. Brianna Taylor was a 26-year-old emergency medical technician who had been working on the front lines of COVID-19. Police, dressed in plain clothes and who had obtained a no-knock warrant, stormed into her home without announcing themselves and into the room where she and her boyfriend, Kenneth Walker, were sleeping. turns out the police had the wrong address and the actual person for whom they were looking had already been picked up. Thinking that they were being robbed, Kenneth Walker fired a gun at one of the men who he had no way of knowing was a police officer. The police returned fire with a barrage of gunfire, killing Brianna. They arrested Mr. Walker and charged him with the attempted murder of a police officer. None of the officers involved has been charged with any crime. None of the white run gun rights advocacy groups, such as the National Rifle Association, have come to Mr. Walker's aid. What must it be like to not be able to feel safe sleeping in one's own bed, in one's own home at night?
1: Good morning. Today is one of my favorite Sundays because it's when we get to thank our teachers. You've probably heard me say before how talented and dedicated our religious education teachers and advisors at First U, U are. It's because of their talent and dedication and flexibility and creativity that we've been able to continue having religious education classes all this time while we've been at home. Religious education teachers do more than follow a curriculum. They show us how to be in covenant together they model how to be in community. They help us figure out what our values are and then how to live those values. And by showing up week after week, every Sunday, to share their gifts, they show all of us how to be stewards of our church. And they do all of this while coming up with fun ways and fun games that just keep us wanting to come back for more. Thank you, teachers. If we were in the sanctuary today, like we are most years, I would be inviting them up so that we could all clap and cheer for them. Since we can't do that, I invite you to say thank you in the chat box if you're watching in real time. If you're not connected to the RE program or you're watching from another church, I invite you to listen to our story today, thinking about who are the teachers in your life? Who are the people that you could say thank you for these things, for bringing these ideas into your life? Thank you, teachers. Thanks, from The Very Hungry Caterpillar, by Eric Carle. Thanks for showing me to be kind to every creature, to care for the trees and sky and oceans, to be curious, gentle, and brave. Thanks for reminding me to wonder about everything and to dream of a peaceful world. Thanks for encouraging me to be a good friend, to sing my own song and to always reach for the stars. But most of all, thanks for being you.
2: Blessing When the World is Ending by Jan Richardson. Look, the world is always ending somewhere. Somewhere the sun has come crashing down. Somewhere it has gone completely dark. Somewhere it has ended with a tenderness that will break your heart. But listen, this blessing means to be anything but morose. It has not come to cause despair. This blessing will not fix you. It will not mend you, will not give you false comfort. It will not talk to you about one door opening when another one closes. It will simply sit itself beside you among the shards and gently turn your face toward the direction from which the light will come, gathering itself about you as the world begins again.
0: I invite you now into a time of centering, a time of breathing deeply in and then out, in and then out. And as we breathe deeply, let us feel the heartstrings that keep us connected with one another in this, our beloved religious community, even though we must remain physically separated for now. Let us breathe in and breathe out. Let us follow that breath to a deeper place inside, a place of greater calmness, a place where love thrives, that spark of the divine within each of us. We will have a few moments of music, during which I invite you to continue meditative breathing, or to light a candle representing your joys, sorrows, remembrances, hopes. You can also light a virtual candle at gratefulness.org. Threshold, a place or point of exiting, entering, ending, and or beginning. Threshold, the magnitude or intensity that must be exceeded for a certain reaction, phenomenon, result, or condition to occur or be made manifest. It seems that we're experiencing both of these definitions of a threshold a lot these days in the strange and challenging world in which we now find ourselves living. Our religious education programs have been exploring thresholds as a spiritual topic this month. So I'd like to spend time on this topic in our worship service today also. And now to start, I want to share something about thresholds which I learned that may not be of the greatest spiritual significance, but which I found to be a great relief nonetheless. Have you ever gotten up off the couch and walked into another room only to find yourself completely unable to remember why you came into that room to begin with? Well, be comforted. This may not be our short-term memory failing us after all. It turns out science has examined the thresholds in our lives and found that at some point there must have been an evolutionary advantage of us letting go of what was in our head when we crossed a threshold into a new environment. They had folks in one study done with virtual reality pick up an object off of a table, put it in a backpack and carry it to another table where they would pick up another object and then repeat the process. They were asked each time to recall what the previous object had been. Now the tables were always the same distance apart. However, sometimes the next table was in the same room, and sometimes the study subjects had to go through a doorway, a threshold, to get to the next table. Well, when asked to recall what the prior object was when the next table was in the same room, the participants could almost always remember correctly. However, when they had crossed through a threshold, they could almost never remember. And this difference between the two conditions in the ability to recall was statistically significant. Now, this still doesn't explain why likely I keep finding myself thinking I need to retrieve something from my office at home, only to find myself in my garage a short time later, staring absent-mindedly and wondering through which threshold I had actually meant to cross. Well, on to a more spiritual note, many of the world's faith traditions have found the sacred in the concept of crossing a threshold. For instance, in Judaism, people hang a mezuzah, a decorative case containing a parchment with verses from the Torah printed upon it on their doorway. Among other sacred purposes, the practice serves to remind folks to pause and reflect as they cross through this threshold about what they want to take with them and what they would like to leave behind. This is true both when exiting the home, what values and qualities do I want to bring into my larger world today, as well as when returning to enter the home. What did I pick up in my world today that I don't want to bring into my home and my family life? Given all that we are going through these days, it seems like adopting some sort of similar practice could be very helpful and healthful. The ancient Celtics had a concept of thresholds they called thin places. Thin places are places we experience where the divine and the secular, the sacred and the ordinary, the transcendent and the mundane come closest together for us. The veil between these realities becomes porous, and for an ineffable moment or two, we experience ourselves and our universe in a new and potentially transformative way. We glimpse the true interconnectedness between ourselves and all of creation in a manner that's hard to describe in everyday language. Both theists and non-theists have reported such experiences throughout human history. And studies of such experiences have found that they can elevate our mood, alleviate anxiety and depression, and that they benefit us physiologically. Physiologically. These thin place experiences can happen at locations with religious meaning, such as cathedrals, mosques, and temples. They can also occur, though, through the majesty of nature, such as when we experience the beauty of the mountaintop or the lushness of the deep woods. However, though, thin places can also arise through the more mundane aspects of life. When my spouse Wayne and I still lived in Houston many years ago, I remember an evening when I walked into our kitchen and saw this beautiful reflection of shadow and light coming from the moon shining through window blinds and onto our kitchen counter. I had this sudden experience of ineffable connection, knowing that people around the world might be having similar experiences of this light and shadow reflection from either the moonlight or sunlight it stopped me in my tracks i stood motionless for a while caught up in the beauty of the reflected moonlight and shadow bound by that sense of interconnection our spiritual practices such as meditation prayer and the like can also sometimes bring us into these thin places Given the challenges we're all facing these days, we might well benefit from seeking or at least keeping ourselves open to experiencing these thin place thresholds. My beloveds, we are in the midst of moving through a great threshold, which I think of more as a tunnel with many twists and turns rather than as a doorway or gateway Each twist and turn itself is a smaller threshold we must cross along the way as we learn more about the virus, the recommendations for what we should do change, and our lives get altered in so many different ways. Too many folks now face a threshold where they must either cross into an unsafe work environment or lose their job and or unemployment payments. We can't see what we may encounter at the other end of the tunnel or even how far away that might be. And in the meantime, the regular thresholds of life continue. Babies are born. Non-virus-related deaths occur. Barack Obama just addressed graduating high school and college seniors. Online Zoom marriages are happening. And even though we can't yet know what is at the other end of the tunnel, I believe, I believe that we can influence what we may find there. When we start that influence by practicing our values of interconnectedness, forgiveness, and compassion, offering blessings to each other, even as we are still moving through this threshold, we start by envisioning such values made manifest in our communities, our country, our world. And my friends, come November, we Unitarian Universalists, or UUs, we can UU the vote. We can vote in droves. We can advocate for voting by mail. We can register other folks to vote. We can encourage and help other folks to get to to vote. We can reach the magnitude and intensity required to cross a new threshold. Because if, if enough of us vote, we can elect a government much more attuned to creating the world we dream about. We can cast a vision for the other end of the threshold where we build sustainable communities within which we take care of one another. We take care of our planet. We more justly distribute income and wealth where we dismantle systems of racism and other forms of oppression and cast them upon the smoldering remnants of a toxic way of being we have once and for all left behind and everywhere everywhere we build those thin places at which heaven and earth meet everywhere the beloved community is made manifest i remember a few years ago when the supreme court ruling came out that established marriage equality i was so touched By that phrase we used about it, love wins. My beloveds, I think we have the agency to make it much more likely that at the other end of this threshold, love will have won again. Let's say it together and create that vision the other side of our journey. Love wins again. Love wins again. Love wins again. there now be an offering to support this church and help keep it going through these challenging times. If you scroll upward on Facebook, you'll see an online giving link which will take you to our secure online contributions page. Under the Select a Fund drop-down box, please select Plate Contributions. We
2: extinguish
1: this flame. But not the fire of truth, the warmth of community, or the flame of commitment, these we hold in our hearts until we are together again.
0: As we close out our online service today, I send you so many blessings. I wish you love and peace. Let's get through this together. Blessed be. This is a production of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. For more information, go to our website at austinuu.org.